The biography page for the classical music comedy team of Agudasman and Jew starts with, quote, Millions of YouTube viewers can't be wrong. Well, they can, but in this case, they aren't, unquote. This gives a clue to the humor and irreverence of violinist Alexei Agudasman and pianist Juanqui Jew, who joined forces after years of touring individually to become a YouTube sensation, combining virtuosic classical music, slapstick comedy, humorous compositions, and unexpected guest appearances as eyewitness at Carnegie Hall with the celebrated classical pianist Yuja Wang. In the company of Agudasman and Jew, Yuja added singing, rapping, dancing, and acting to her virtuosic playing. I first interviewed Juanqui Jew in 2010 about his recording Billy Joel's classical compositions on the CD Fantasies and Delusions. At the time, Jew and I discussed his interest in broadening the appeal of classical music by bringing new people to it through comedy. We sat down for today's conversation to discuss how that goal has been achieved and how Jew continues to reach out to audiences around the world. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. You brought me something I'm thrilled because I've never heard it, and that's Ella doing airmail special. And that's the theme of this show. So <laughs> we get to play it, and I've never heard her version. So this is great. Tell You've me about this You've got to be track. kidding me. That's no, the theme of this show. It is. It, it opens with me playing airmail special. Wow, what a coincidence. I had no idea. You know, the thing is, I'm actually surprised that people don't know this track, airmail special. Oh, so lots of people don't know it. Well... You know, I, I tr- had to really search hard to find it because I had an LP decades ago, like one of these greatest hits, Ella Fitzgerald, and there was this track on it. And now, of course, the LP is long gone, and I could never find it. And I've always thought this was genius. And trying to find it recently through iTunes and, you know, all the YouTube. It was so, so hard to find it. It's just not on any Greatest Hits collection at all. But I think it's one of her most, most genius things. Of course, all her other things, you know, are famous, whatever this, but I think this is, for me, the ultimate Ella Fitzgerald. Besides loving it so much, it inspires me because, first of all, whenever whenever I'm in a bad mood or not feeling so great, this is one of the things that I put on, and I'm immediately in a great mood. And so it inspires me just to and, and the the freedom and excellence, the virtuosity, but on such a level where it just seems like she's making a cup of tea or something. It's just <laughs> it's just incredible. So um, so this is definitely one of my favorite tracks. Thank you. Bum 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 b
Something that I noticed last night, which I was very happy to get to see your show, and now I'm finding out it was a new show, we'll come back to that, was the incredible virtuosity, of course, but the beautiful dynamics and tone in the greatest classical pianists that I love, you being among them, that not only are you seemingly tossing this off, like you talk about making a cup of tea, but within that, there's this such beautiful control of the dynamics and the tone and everything. And that isn't something that a lot of jazz musicians talk about. And that's fascinating to me because it's so much about improvisation, individual sound, listening to each other. Yes. But just, we can be piano nerds for a minute, just from the point of playing the piano, which is a very different thing about having the kind of control to do that. And I was impressed with both of you. It's interesting because I recently met uh, Todd Gustafsson, and I've chosen one of his tracks for today. Um, And he said that he spends an enormous amount of time listening to classical pianists Mm. for the one reason, to try and learn or imitate their uh, he used the German word Anschlag, which means touch, uh, approach. And I think Todd has an incredible uh, attack. It's not an attack. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a caressing. But Todd is someone I've been listening to like crazy. He, he, I didn't have the guts to tell him. You know, it's funny. When you meet, sometimes you meet your, these people that you admire and you're, you're lucky to sit next to them. You feel like <laughs> such, an, such an idiot to say, Oh, hello, Mr. Gusser. I listen to you all the time. I oh, just, but people it's... love it. That's how yeah. I feel about you. <laughs> so, uh, I... But you know, I think that I think people love it. That's fantastic. But a lot of what you admire is this sound, is what you're saying, that great sound yeah, besides the improvisation. Exactly what you said, sense. sound and, and, and nuance, polyphonic control, dynamic control, swing, rhythmic control, which, which I'm afraid to say most classical pianists don't have. So they don't think of it either. It isn't just the jazz people. I mean, I don't want to trash on my, well, my no, profession, but, I'm but I really feel that uh, for, for a lot of piano playing, it's more like key hunting. Um, you know, there are many people today who have incredible dexterity and, and elasticity, but it's a very one tunnel visioned approach. It's just let's hit the note and let's not even care about what happens afterwards. And it, that's just not a scientific or natural approach. Everything in nature needs a certain follow through, needs a certain after. I mean, you, you can't hit a tennis ball with a racket and just, just hit it. You have to follow through and listen. And a lot of tennis coaches talk about listening to the sound. Um, I, I even took a skiing lesson the other day and I said to the instructor, but you're not looking at me. He said, I can hear what you're doing, you know? So, um, so yes, sound is very important in all, in all meanings of sound.
Well, talk about your show last night. I had no idea that it was brand new. I was completely knocked out. I hesitate to say too much because I don't want to spoil the surprise because everybody should see it. It's called The Clone. <laughs> yes. I didn't I knew there would be comedy. I knew there would be great music. I had no idea the extent of it because I'm going to go a little bit into the fact that you and I you were one of my early interviews I'm when very I proud first to be that when I yes. first created this show and you were going in a direction of, of bringing comedy into your playing or into your performances yes but we we share this because we had talked about what we were both doing in our music that if we could frame our music in something more engaging to the audience that we could do whatever we wanted Yes, and, they, that is and true. the audience would be open to it, which I really I think it's one of the first ways we connected because yes. we both believed in that. But now I see the evolution of this, <laughs> <laughs> and talk about it. I just because you can reveal as much. You revealed a lot last night. I'm going to say so. <laughs> I did re reveal a lot, and uh, for any by listening, what Judy means by that is well. First of all, this was uh, part of the pianist Yuja Wang's perspectives at Carnegie Hall. Uh, Yuja Wang, Wang is a phenomenal classical pianist, and um, she asked us, we've known her for quite some time, and she's a fan. She was a fan of ours. She's considerably much younger than us, and when she was a student at Curtis, she was watching our clips on YouTube. So she was a fan of what we do, and then later on we became friends. And she said, hey, guys, I have this uh, perspectives season at Carnegie Hall, would you like to do a show with me? Well, of course. I mean, how, <laughs> how could we say no to that? And she said, you know, I'm up for everything. I know what you guys do. I don't know if I can do it, but, you know, push me, try me, let's see. So we came up with this whole concept uh, of the clone. So actually last night was not the real Yu Wang. It was the clone of Yu Wang. <laughs> New and improved. No batteries included, but works with Bluetooth. Anyway, so, um, and uh, she was incredible. Everything she did last night, except for playing the piano, is something that she's never done before in her life. I mean, you saw, you saw the show, so you witnessed her singing, rapping, dancing, doing freezes, doing yoga on the piano bench while playing Chopin, playing upside down, acting, you know. Well, and uh, dancing, the, the thing that she was doing, even that I know from my own experience, there's a wonderful YouTube clip of Helen Mirren doing oh. a master class, and she walks out, she sits down, and she says she starts the master class with, you have just seen me do the most difficult thing an actor does is walk on stage. That's very true. And I thought about Yuja, Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, I think so. That she moved so well. Now, she's obviously walked out on the stage, but she had to be playing and then stand up yes. and sort of dance and do all that. Yes. It's incredible. Incredible. No, she's uh, definitely courageous, and uh, it was a joy to work with her. And um, as a Guzman and Jew, my, my partner in crime, Alexei Guzman, we, we love having fun with music. Mm. And... Um, Yes, of course, there is comedy involved, but I, I, we personally prefer to call it fun or humor mm. because mm. We, there's not enough fun in this world, first of all. <laughs> 
especially <laughs> now. Thank you. And in the music world, in all genres, be it rock, jazz, or classical, I think everybody just takes themselves a little too seriously mm. for our own good. Mm. And certainly in the classical world, there's a big establishment and institution on all levels, from education, from the promoters, from the players themselves to the critics, on all walks, on all tiers, uh, this kind of elitism and, and super stuffy sophistication, which I think gets in the way. Mm. And we're not saying that you have to uh, imbue comedy into a classical music performance for it to be successful. No, not at all. But like you were saying, what, what you and I connect on is that once you tear down this curtain of pretense and you communicate with the audience, even just saying hello, and maybe you're not so comfortable to talk on stage, but if you walk into a room, you would say hello, no? Hi, how are you? Yeah, <laughs> Something. Yeah. What shall we have for dinner? I mean, some kind of engagement. I mean, right. just to say I'm going to play this piece and I'm doing it because I like so-and-so. Whatever. I mean, the, the audience would be so happy to hear that there's actually a human being that's about to play. <laughs> and, and in the audience, yeah. there are human beings. So we do a lot of uh, concerts, shows, performances, whatever you want to call them, that mixes music. We are classically trained, but that's another thing. We don't discriminate other types of music. We don't look down or look at other types of music. We embrace all kinds of music. And as you saw in the show yesterday, we had everything from Mozart to to rap to Latin to mm. whatever to even contemporary music. I mean, all kinds of things. Um, and we mix it with fun. And I think this is why people like Yuja Wang or orchestras like the New York Philharmonic engage us to play with them because they realize that we're very serious about the music. Mm. That's, for us, it's, we always say this in interviews, um, and we mean it. For us, we don't make fun of the music. We're having fun with music. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that's a very important distinction. So music always comes first. Juan Kiju and his partner Alexia Gudisman on the recording of You Just Have to Laugh. I'm Judy Carmichael and this is Jazz Inspired. Agudisman and Ju partner with orchestras and soloists around the world and the night before recording this conversation, I got to witness one of those collaborations at Carnegie Hall with the virtuoso classical pianist 
Yuja Wang, who not only wowed with her piano playing, but danced, sang, and rapped in the show. She, a Gudisman and Jew, called The Clone, referring to the concert being carried on with Yuja's clone, rather than the real Yuja Wang. The concert began with an announcement that Yuja was sick and would not be appearing. Wonky Ju further explains. So the revealing thing which Judy is talking about is that, <laughs> well, one of the things that Yuja is very well known for, um, in addition to or in spite of her marvelous playing, is that she, she has a very contemporary take on dress code. Mm. Um, she often wears uh, dresses which are very short. Um, she's been criticized for skimpy outfits and she likes to wear, you know, high heels. And um, that's, how, that's how she is also in daily life. So it's not something that, it's not a persona that she's inventing. Um, she's very comfortable with her body and, and um, she has the gravitas to go along with it. So I think that's why she's successful. But it is talked about and of course does raise a lot of eyebrows in this stiff establishment you know usually you're used to a lady coming on stage covering herself completely and here's the complete opposite mm. where she's revealing a lot and so the show starts for those who didn't get to see it with me coming on dressed in this Hervé Léger elastic <laughs> revealing my my beautiful midriff and what have you. I, I, you know, I shaved my armpits and my legs that, for this. That and, is a yeah. sacrifice to the arts. <laughs> I have to say, some people go to a different level, and you did. And I had makeup and all of that. And, and a wig. And, and a wig, yes. We, I we, have to say, you yeah. carried it off. It's very hard to and walk on stage with so little clothing. I come, off, I come on and I say, you know, unfortunately, Miss Yuji Wang is sick. And... Um, Carnegie Hall is a very strict equal race and gender policy, which is why Miss <laughs> Wang's replacement had to be of Asian descent and female. Mm -hmm. And I'm tugging up my little mini skirt. Um, <laughs> and so that, that's how the show starts. Oh, and so fantastic. it breaks, really breaks all pretenses of what's going to happen. And then we bring her on inside a box. The clone, mm. and then, then, all, she, and then, then madness and then ensues. Madness ensues. Yeah. Alexei, I know that marriage is a scary thing, but in order to unite the League forever, we need to get married. You're completely out of your mind. Listen, I wrote this song for you, okay? For me? Before I met you that one day My life was perfectly fine Why did you beat me up so much? It made me bleed and cry Well, I was very angry, so I... But then I gave you fish and chips I still don't know why 
because I was hungry. That's right. <laughs> Our life together is so blissful. Yet I wonder how. How? Smell of cheese and ham, and you are so loud when you snore at night. I, actually, I, I don't snore. I, I, you are my perfect man, even with those hairy. A live recording of a Gudisman and Jew on My Perfect Man, a tribute to their musical partnership. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Something that a mutual friend of ours, Ron Losby, the CEO of Steinway, who also is a wonderful classical pianist, and yes. he told me that when he was coming up at Juilliard, they said that classical music is a voyeuristic exercise for the audience. And this is something he told me after he saw one of my concerts. And I talk a lot. I tell funny stories, all of that. And he told me that he thought I should talk more. And I said, no, how could I talk more? And he said... It engages the audience because yes. when I came up, I was told, Ron, that the audience gets to watch you. But yes. through watching my concerts, listening to my concerts, he had learned that it didn't have to be that way. I was quite flattered that he said that, that but this was this epiphany for him many years ago when we met. Gave him a very different viewpoint. And I was thinking of the irony of it with you and your performance last night, that this classical music that was supposedly something where the audience gets to watch you all perform, that you give them something really interesting to watch, Yes. but you completely engage them in a different way and make it not that voyeuristic exercise, because not only do you open them up to classical music, let's say, because a lot of people would come that might not come to a typical classical concert. Right. They're introduced because they've seen you on YouTube yes. or whatever. But I was struck by the fact that these very accomplished classical musicians that we all look up to because of this incredible technique and obvious study of their entire lives, because you cannot miss that when you all play. Right. It's that's, just on that's, such a high level that That you, has to be that. Yeah, you know that this can't just be accomplished by just anyone. But you let us see you as human beings who <laughs> also like to have fun. Yes. And I don't think most people look at classical people. It's like they're racehorses. Oh, yeah, those guys just sit in a room. They're weird. They're gifted. They might not even talk to us. They're maybe autistic. You know, yes. all the the cliches. Yes. And I kept thinking about that last night. I mean, I know you personally, but I was thinking this is letting this entire room at Carnegie Hall know that you're human beings, as odd as that sounds, but I think that makes the whole thing more personal and helps all of us in the yes. music world. Absolutely right. We, When we work with orchestras, more often than not, 
people come up to us afterwards or the you know the the artistic directors or members of the orchestra say thank you so much this was like a week of therapy yeah um because we get them out of their chairs and we get them to dance and play and act and do whatever we can in the the short amount of rehearsal time we have with them but our orchestral shows are really showing that here are 60 human beings right Desire, a composition by my guest, pianist-composer Huanqi Ju. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway & Sons and from East Hampton Indoor Tennis. 
eight indoor and 20 outdoor courts in a quiet, beautiful park-like setting. Visit ehit.ws for more information. Additional support is provided by jazzonthetube.com, the largest annotated collection of classic jazz videos online, from early jazz greats like Louis Armstrong to Thelonious Monk and other bebop masters. The collection also includes an extensive library of Afro-Cuban jazz. All are available with a free subscription at jazzonthetube.com. For a schedule of upcoming jazz-inspired programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can listen to podcasts of Jazz Inspired on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Stride Queen. My guest is classical pianist composer Wonky Jew. I've been to a number of classical concerts and I've never noticed this to this extent because Yuja and you reminded me of two jazz musicians. Oh, thank I've done, you. That's a big compliment. Well, it I, was, no, I take that as a compliment. It was you were when you were playing one of your duets, especially how you looked at each other. Because that's a big thing with jazz musicians. They're constant because we're not looking at music a good portion right. of the time. Yes, and it's not just listening; it's looking, and we get signals and we see what their posture is and how their dynamic shift. You can tell all that, especially with two pianists. I feel, and you were both doing that, and it just visually you looked like two jazz musicians, and it felt like that because you were really connected to each other. And I love that. I was the whole duet thing was fascinating, and and many and you said um, about all the new things that you were doing, but the compositions because you had so many things in them that were so magnificent musically, but you were also yelling in the middle of it, or made, you know, talk yes. about some of that because your compositions were amazing. Just talk about the duets that you did, specifically that. Well. We're both composers, Alexei and I, and uh, composing is a bit, big part of our life. And for our shows, we do all the composing and the arranging, except for the music that's already been written. Right. Uh, like the duet, the two piano stuff I did yesterday with Yuja Wang, we did the piece by Lutus Lasky, Paganini Variations. And then we also did, um, when, I, when I'm this uh, horrible, choleric piano teacher... Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite parts. <laughs> I get I get Yuja to play uh, the Bumblebee, the flight of the Bumblebee, which of course she does in this Georgi Sifra version. But I intersperse that with Green Hornet music, <laughs> um, which recently uh, had a revival in Kill Bill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and the Green Hornet theme uh, has a bit of the flight of the Bumblebee. So it's an arrangement for two pianos that, that has a bit of Flight of the Bumblebee and Green Hornet and other stuff. And then, as you saw, Alexei comes on in a Bumblebee outfit, <laughs> <laughs> buzzing around on his violin. Oh, it was so wonderful. It was, I just, I adored it. And you had wonderful pacing throughout the show, too, because your fabulous waltz that you wrote, that you played, that's very, for your son... There were two pieces of mine, which uh, because I have two kids, so you know each one got a piece. Um, the first piece was called Lullaby for Leo, and that was played by Yuja, 
then at the end I played Lena's Waltz. Lullaby Frangeo, played and written by my guest, pianist Wonky Jew, with Alexia Gudisman on violin. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I recorded my conversation with Wonky Jew the day after seeing his show at Carnegie Hall with his musical and comedy partner, Alexia Gudisman, and their guest in that particular show, the celebrated classical pianist, Yuja Wang. I commented to Huanqi that the pacing of the show, from comedy to high-level classical playing, was fascinating to watch. Comedy's tricky business. To it is. do the comedy and then come back to something... Comedy's a very serious thing. It is a very serious <laughs> thing. Yeah. It is. And that's... Something that, that someone I was interviewing said to me just recently, I was talking about how you present ballads yes. in, in a jazz concert, and he said you have to earn your ballads. Wow. Isn't that an That's interesting thing to say? interesting. Because I have found that the setting is very important. Well, the way what we found, the magic of, let's say, a ballad, as you call it, you know, when you've torn down the pretense and people realize oh 
they're human beings, just like us. And you've been given a bit of a dose of fun and silliness and even as an audience member allowed your inner child to kind of go, ah. then when you do something that is poignant or slow or touching, the effect is maximized beyond because now they're relaxed, now they're really listening and there's still this air of, I'm not quite sure what to expect. Is this now really only serious? Are they really, is there no joke coming? Because it doesn't seem like there's a place for a joke. And so within that sort of frame, the level of attention is so much higher. And actually that's for us the whole point of it. Uh, it's just that, I mean, of course we have fun in the show, but in a way, the thing that really turns us on are those moments when we're finally just playing music, no goofiness, and the people are listening. That's, that's what we're looking for. You speak about comedy. I don't know if you noticed, but yesterday there was the actor Kevin Klein. Oh, is he no. there? Yes. Oh, he's one of my favorites. He's, you should have introduced me. I love him. The funny thing is, I had no idea he was in the audience. Oh. And in the first half... Um, I don't know if you remember, but in that Olympianist sketch, I take off my shoe mm. and I sm I put it right, to my right. mouth and no, I, I, knew, I, I, in it. I inhale my shoe <laughs> right, right. and then I sn sniff my armpits right, right. very happily. Right. And that is, of course, my homage to Kevin Klein. Of course it is. No, I knew and then I got it. Someone told me in an interval, I think Kevin Klein might be in the audience. I was like, wait, wait a minute. I even forgot that I did that. I was like, wait a minute. I just did a homage to him and he's there. So, oh, that's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. He, yeah. Did you get to meet him? Uh, of course, I got to meet him afterwards, which was a great thrill because I'm a big fan of his comedic and serious acting. Oh, everything. I, think he's a I remember when I first. Uh, what was it? Sophie's Choice. Right, right, right. That was unbelievable performance from Kevin Klein. So he was there, and he oh. said, "He said yes, I, I I noticed that homage to me, and my he said something like, my armpits burn every time uh, <laughs> you do that or something." No, he's a very charming, elegant man. Talk about this rhapsody in blue you brought me. Ah, crazy, crazy baby. Yes, well, Love thank this. you for listening to it. It's um, it's an arrangement by a friend of mine called Philip Flip Pesendorfer who I think is a very, very talented arranger. He's actually a percussionist in the Vienna Symphony Orchestra, but he has a uh, love of jazz. And I guess one of our connections is that he does, one of the things that he does a lot is he takes classical pieces and he arranges them in a jazz way, like Duke Ellington did, like many people have done. Um, I personally, without bias, find a lot of the ways that he arranges stuff quite innovative and fantastic. And he did Rhapsody in Blue. And of course, we all think of Rhapsody in Blue as this kind of hybrid classical jazz piece. But, you know, it sort of sits in both corners. But he made it even more jazzy, which I really believe Gershwin would have loved. <laughs> Thank you. 
Guest Wonky Jew on an arrangement by Philip Flip Pazendorfer of Rhapsody in Blue. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. There are a few places which, which I came up with myself, which is sort of like Tatum inspired and whatever, but basically his, it's his arrangement, and 
you know, I, I love Rhapsody in Blue, but I have to be honest, I always felt that Rhapsody in Blue doesn't go as far as it could. And I'm pretty sure that's just because, you know, the famous story is Gershwin just improvised it on the spot and then just notated it. I'm pretty sure if Gershwin was alive today, he would play it completely differently and probably jazz it up even more. Um, and I think that's what's happened in this in this version. And I have to say, I'm a little disappointed also when these great jazz pianists play Rhapsody in Blue. Most of them don't jazz it up. It's like, you guys can do this. I'm just faking it. I have to, you know, I have to fake to try and somehow pass off as a jazz person. But when these jazz guys play, they, they play exactly what's written. It's like, no, don't do that. Oh, I love yeah. to hear that. I love to hear that from a classical pianist because I think it's like you want what you don't have. Right. You know, so people feel obligated to go in another direction. Yes. And I just love it when, when you just do it, when you just do what you feel. I mean, that's why I loved it. And I, I know, because I know you and we've talked about these things even before this conversation, how much you love jazz. And I know yes. that you listen to jazz, you know jazz, but you also know what your main direction is. Yes. So I love it when you jazz things up, and I think you <laughs> swing. Herbie Hancock did a wonderful rendition of the second movement of the Ravel Piano Concerto. Mm. And he plays original Ravel, but he also deviates from mm. it. And for me, that's not a sacrilege at all. That, for me, is entirely in the spirit of the piece. We know for a fact that people like Mozart, Beethoven, etc., those guys, they improvised. We have documents. We know that when Mozart premiered his first Piano Concertos, he improvised. And on another day, it would be something completely different. We have these accounts about Beethoven, about Liszt, about Chopin, and somehow that got lost. And it's and and yes, we should respect what we have with the score and this and that. But in the end, the notes have to become alive. And that's what I love about so much about people like Leszek Mosier, who I don't know how many people know about, but for me, I think he's a. I can't swear on this show, but he's a freaking genius. <laughs> And uh, when I discovered his CD, Impressions of Chopin, I've heard a lot of quote-unquote classical jazz. Most of it is unconvincing to me. What I love about what Leszek Mosdair does is it seems like he's eaten a piece of Chopin, ingested and digested it, and then somehow it's, it's regurgitated mm, mm. into his thing. It's got his DNA and entrails all over it but it's still Chopin it's he, it's still the Chopin that he ate mm. so and it's it totally avoids this you know it's funny jazz is something that's supposed to be very free just by the, the nature of the beast of jazz is it's supposed to be free and improvised but very often I've had this conversation with a lot of jazz friends of mine it's actually sometimes quite rigid and there are these forms in place and a lot of the times when you hear this classical jazz it's like okay we hear the the tune the, and then it goes into the improv and then the tune comes back very classic nothing wrong with it great nothing wrong with form and structure and, and tradition but Leszek deviates from that completely it's not like tune improvisation and back to tune it's just 
he's made this whole other thing. But I really don't have the impression after I listen to it, oh, he's completely sabotaged it and makes something new. I feel like I've heard Chopin. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm talking with classical pianist, composer, and one half of the comedy team, a Gudisman and Jew, Hwanki Jew. Victor Borger said, laughter is the shortest distance between two people. Oh, what a lovely that phrase. That's great. And I, fortunately or unfortunately, have a very loud laugh, and I love to laugh, and to be honest with you, it's been one of my curses. Uh, I was bullied, uh, probably for other reasons too, but one of the reasons I was bullied and teased was because of my laugh. Mm. And um, But just it's just because I'm a positive person and I, I, I see a lot of fun and laughter and stuff. Mm. And, um, I, and I'm, you know, I, as I grew up, I tried to be more sensitive to what other people might interpret a laugh is. But when I'm laughing at... at it's not laughing at someone it's just I see it's more like you know when you the Dalai Lamas I mean I'm not comparing myself to him but you know he's talking about very serious stuff if anybody ever you know listens to him but he's it's always with a laugh and with a smile oh yeah you know so this is so much laugh and love in the English language are very close also you know and I'm just lucky to be doing something that has music and humor and humor exactly I love the title of the book Save Your, the world. Save the world. I think that it's. I think it is a mighty challenge, 
admirable. I think the world needs saving right now. Yes. So tell me, you two are writing this book about creativity? Yes. As a Guzman and Jew, we believe very much that creativity is the one thing that can save us. Oh, I agree. Um, on every level. Um, and creativity, along with laughter or humor, is one of the things that's just... Um, clamped down on uh, in, in schools, in education, um, in society. Is it that way in Europe as much as I it is I think it's here? that way everywhere. Um, so depressing. And, um, and, of course, in writing for this book, done a lot of research, but even just from our own experiences, uh, I'm someone where well, we both love to teach. Um, my dream, is, and which I'm living it, is to work with uh, youth orchestras and, and student orchestras mm. um, and to do workshops. I, I, I love doing workshops with, uh, with kids and students. And I've noticed that to try and get people to that zone where they can unleash their creativity mm. is not easy because everybody is so ridden with fear fear of failing fear of making mistakes fear of thinking oh but it's not going to be good enough and that all has to go out of the window but it's very easily said i mean it, it, in practice it's very hard but it's been so ingrained in us uh, it, partly it's the academic system partly it's the you know whatever society's expectations and, and so being creative is not something and actually humor is very close to creativity uh, humor is actually a channel mm. uh, a way in to be creative the, when you're thinking of something humorous or, or funny um, you are immediately confusing your left and right side of the brain which is what you need to do one of the things that I teach and try to work on is this thing of getting people to just be and to communicate and just to be present. Um, and, that's, and to trust in the moment. And that's when the magic happens. Mm. I'm so thrilled we connected again after so long. You live far away. You live <laughs> in Vienna. Yes. And we're both traveling all the time. But we happen to bump into each other. And yes. this great... Opportunity came yes. out of it. And we bumped into each other at Steinway. Exactly. And we both love Steinway. We so. do love Steinway. Thank and you so much for this and everything you're doing. I love the joy you bring into the world. We definitely need more of that. So thank you. Thank you, you Judy. Thank you very much. You've been listening to my conversation with Wonky Jew. I hope you join me here next time when I talk with another celebrated creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineers are J.D. Allen and Curtis Heidoff. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired from iTunes or at TalkShoe.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD trio. 
I'm on piano with my Casham on sax and Chris Laurie on guitar. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway and Sons and from Sag Harbor Florist. Visit sagharborflorist.net. For a schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, or to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Stride Queen. Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. Jazz Inspired is also sponsored in part by Page at 63 Main in Sag Harbor, New York, serving organic microgreens and vegetables grown on their own energy-efficient indoor and outdoor aquaponic farms. Better taste, happier planet. Visit Page at 63 Main at opentable.com. And special thanks to Henry and Gilda Block and to the Ken Colker Foundation. For more information, visit jazzinspired.com or judycarmichael.com.